We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri with you for another edition of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are ending the week strong. Yes. It's been a long summer. There was only one way, only one way to, to finish it up properly before we get to training camp. And that is to have um, just an absolute pinnacle in the industry. Um a someone we are extraordinarily lucky, extraordinarily lucky to have as Nick fans reporting on this team. Um, and I, I really just can't say enough amazing things about him. Uh, he's been an immense help to me along the way, which is why it's always a personal pleasure for me to talk to him. Ian Bagley of SNY joins us today. Um, spent about 35 minutes talking about the Daquan Jeffries signing and the uh, impact that he's. Oh, wait, no, that's that's not what we did. <laughs> Andrew, what would you have done if Ian came on? And my first question oh, was man. like, so Jeffries, what do we, what do you think the odds are that that exhibit 10 gets converted to a. Listen, I understand the insanity of this fan base and his thirst for the, the intricate details of the end of the bench acquisitions. I understand 
It's He's why on the bench. <laughs> but like my point is, it's why Knicks for clicks. I made this point with Favali. Like, yeah, it's actually a positive. This fan base is so addicted to this this franchise that. Jeffrey's getting signed was like, why wasn't there an emergency pod? I saw none, those none more so than us. I had the thought. So really, you <laughs> know what I was not doing on Wednesday? Good. <laughs> John, I how like many him. minutes is he going to play for the Knicks this year? Zero. Thank you. Okay. My point <laughs> being, um, if you had done that, the rage spamming I would have been doing in the, the, the Zoom chat yeah. would have been enough for a newsletter tomorrow. <laughs> That's fair. Yes. Um, no. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm just going to go back and say this was not this was not a tough pod to do because I love talking to Ian and I love, I love talking to Ian about reporting and how he reports and how things break down and what he could say. And because uh, Ian never is going to say anything unless he feels truly comfortable saying it. So this is a fun interview for me to do. The reason it was a little tough was because I fully know that. I don't know what percentage, but a large majority of the people listening to this right now are just sick and tired of, of all of the Mitchell stuff. Um, but as he, I'm not going to take Ian's words out of his own mouth, but you know, he, I think he verbalized well, why it is worth, you know, talking about to its reasonable conclusion. And I actually do think this may be the time that we, you know, we'll be able to leave it behind after this. Um <sighs> Yeah, we do have a couple of, a couple of beat reporters. Say, we got a couple of guests coming up. That let, how, let, let's might, strive. Might not allow let's strive to. to talk about Mitchell less and less with each one of those those guests. And maybe by like January. Once, once the Knicks play games. Okay. Then we can move on from what... Like my only pushback to people saying let's move on and who cares anymore. Like this, this was a big deal. This was the entire summer. And as much as like we are all have our closure, the Knicks didn't do it. This at the end of the day, the the Knicks were very close to trading for Donovan Mitchell. Well, His press press conference so was let's, today. Let's talk about that. It was you know so we, he had the presser on. No, it was it was yesterday. It was yesterday. yesterday. Presser was on Wednesday, um, in which and then he spoke to Brian Windhorst and he talked. They went on the Woj pod and I mean, he look. He said a couple things. He said I thought I was going home. He said I thought that would be nice, <laughs> and he uh, and then he said that he. Went to bed the weekend before the RJ extension was announced, thinking he was going to wake up and he was, you know, going to be off to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it is what it is. <laughs> I, you, you know what it is, Andrew. I, I want, I want to want to not care about this anymore, but I can't help myself because I, I do like you feel like it's a, it's a massive deal. But can I psychoanalyze um, this a little I, bit? <laughs> Briefly, and then we'll get to Ian. Yes. Flashback to last season. What sure. was the only thing it it seemed that Knicks fans felt good about? Uh, the the young players, the, the kids. The yeah. Play the kids was the rallying cry. And in those last fourteen games, they played the kids. That thirty four game stretch, I keep pointing to with RJ. Yeah. We got to see a version of this team that a lot of people enjoyed last year. And you've seen this. I've seen this over the past five years. Like people point to one of the most fun seasons they ever had was the 2019 season when they lost 65 games. And it's like, cause we just watched them play the kids and there was no expectations whatsoever. And Kevin Knox played 40 minutes a game and they had no chance of winning going into every night. No, but there is a thirst for that kind of ex- expectationless basketball. And all summer, like the the asset clutching that was going on, that oh, you can't trade this kid, you can't can't trade that kid. So when they finally didn't trade the kids for Donovan Mitchell, or didn't really trade anybody for Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> they trade Dequan Jeffries for Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> but like we're so focused on the process because of what we do here that we're trying to really understand what happened. Because I think yeah. for us. We expected this trade to get done. I think Donovan Mitchell expected expected this trade to get done. Sounds like it. And everybody that just wanted to see the kids play had just did a gigantic exhale that they're not gone, that they're just ready to move on to the kids playing this year. And that's all they care about. They don't want to hear about how they almost got traded. They don't want to hear about RJ being in deals. He's here. He's on my basketball team. And I'm ready to move on from the fact that the Knicks tried to trade him for Donovan Mitchell, as well as potentially other 
of the young kids that they care about. I think I think that's a big part of it. I also think, you know, depending on what you believe, of course, Mm -hmm. there's an air of there's an air of unpleasantness about how this all went down in various respects. And this is. As, as we joke about sometimes this, this is sports. This is a thing that is supposed to be entertaining ultimately at the end of the day. And it's like, okay, it didn't happen the way it didn't happen. It doesn't seem like something that seems enjoyable to like, think about too much more. So I just don't want to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too. Uh, whatever. Um, look, we're, we talk about it a little bit with Ian and then we move on to some other some other things. So if you're sick and tired of hearing about the Mitchell stuff, um, don't don't turn off your turn. turn I, I guess. No, you wouldn't be turning off your radio. You would be, I don't know, changing to a different pod. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Keep listening because Ian has a lot of good stuff that he brings. Uh, As, good he, always does. As, As he, always he always does. As he always does. Yes. And he was playing injured today and we, we appreciate him giving yes. us some time. Um Wow, quite literally, because he has right, yeah. you'll see this on YouTube. He has a he fractured his wrist. So he's got like a wrist injury going on. Um, as well as he was like a little sick. So yeah. thank you, Ian Bagley. And look, I'm I'm with you. I find the the behind the scenes stuff fascinating. The so do I. some of my favorite basketball books are the well, honestly, all of my favorite basketball books yeah. are the behind the scenes of stories that I watched play out from my couch and then I get taken behind the curtain. And here on this show, we're trying to get you early access to that book. So, yeah, uh, a book that maybe will be written someday. Was, about maybe you'll write it yeah. because you're the one obsessed with this. Don't, yeah. don't, don't hold your breath. All right. Uh, without further ado, here's the man, the myth, the legend himself, Ian Bagley. Joining me now on the next film school podcast. It has been it has been far too long because this this I mean, our guest today, he just did. He doesn't want to work. He's just la- he's just lazy. He just doesn't. He just <laughs> sits around. All right, I should probably ask him what he what he did all summer. I mean, I I don't remember seeing his name come up on my Twitter feed at all. Uh, <laughs> he is the goat. You know, there's only one goat of New York wow. sports reporting, and it's him. And he knows he knows that I think that about him. It's not just because he's here. I refer to him as that in the newsletter and on pods all the time. Ian Bagley of SNY. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, John. Man. Thank you. I, I I appreciate the kind words. I don't take them lightly. I, I thank you very much. Uh, it, it was a light summer, so yeah, I'm just <laughs> refreshed and and ready to go. Let's let's roll the balls out. Dude, I'm, so, I'm so fucking tired. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be relaxing. Yeah, no, July and August is relaxing. Not this one. Maybe next year. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um. I, I, okay, so before we get to the topic that, like, I think eighty-five percent of the people listening to this don't want to hear about, yeah, I'm going to try not to spend that that long on it. I, I do have to ask you a couple of questions uh, uh, just about the summer from your vantage point, mm-hmm. because you were my. Uh, and again, I, I, I ask Andrew. I say this when you're not on on the program. You were my guy, my guiding light uh, that I followed. In terms of when you put something out, I was like, okay, this something, this, I'm going to pay attention to this thing. Wow. You were, well, it's just, listen, we've been around the block a few times here. You were so measured every step of the way. And I don't know if you'll say it. You have certainly not told me this. I'm just make this clear. I am going on the assumption that you knew so much more then you could report because you're the best and you, you do not put things out unless they are as rock solid as the table that I'm, that I'm knocking out right now. Was uh, this summer? Go ahead. I was going to say, was this summer more challenging because of all of the noise that was out there? And God knows there was a lot of noise from your perspective, as far as how you did your job. Um, yeah, I think this was tough. I mean, I think just, for me, I'm so neurotic as it is. Like I always, every summer stuff, but this one was tough because of just the moving parts and the, you know, the slow roll up, the extremely slow roll up to like talks actually happening. And then the idea that you kind of get to a place where it might happen and, and who's going, who's coming. And, and yeah, it was, I, I love it. I really enjoy it, but it, it's, it's tricky because, um, for this one in particular, 
like there was a lot out there <laughs> leading up, but also in the aftermath in ways that you don't see that much anymore at this point with, you know, where the league is. There were a lot of details. Can I ask you there. to ex- expand upon that? Yeah. What, what you mean by uh, that? I just, I think that the, the reports, the, the details of the reports that emanated like leading up to it um, in terms of just, I guess, ESPN, first of all, with the RJ Barrett piece and then kind of the details of the deals, the offers that were on the table, not on the table um, from ESPN and other outlets. I mean, I, you just you don't see that, I think, as much, at least from my vantage point. And so it was I think it just tells you that there were different parties here who were, were who were kind of were seeking to put out different parts of uh, what was happening. And that, that's what you get in negotiations. So that's not all that uncommon, but just the level of detail, particularly uh, in the aftermath, surprised me a little bit. And I, I, I say that because to spin it forward, you know, a, a lot of players were named in talks. Um, <laughs> and I just wonder I don't think that it'll cause a huge kind of rift in the locker room between players and an, an organization, particularly in this one with the Knicks and the players that were named. But it just, I, I, I wonder if there are some sensitive feelings now in the aftermath of this whole thing. I, I, I really want to direct our attention to a particular tweet, which you spoke with about with Zach, um, the Woj tweet, the, the last Woj tweet. And you addressed it on that podcast. And I'm not going to ask you to revisit it because I thought you you addressed it succinctly um, in terms of how these things are fluid and people's memories are what they are. And different people say different things to different. other. We we don't need to go through it again. I, I will. In terms of the response to the trade. Does that. Did the response to the trade color your opinion further as to what went down and how it went down? Well, I I think where my mind goes um, is, could the Knicks have made an offer that Utah had to say yes to? Now, depending on who you're talking to, and when I say that, I'm I'm referencing people that to me have a pretty good track record um, on this stuff. Some people well, are of the opinion of the mind that it would have taken the Knicks like a, a ton for Utah to say yes, for various reasons. Uh, other people, again, I respect, would say no, that, that Utah just did what was best for them, which is what they've said publicly. To, to get it, to get at the truth on this one, you know, you're going to have to put uh, Danny Ainge <laughs> under oath. But I, I, I do think that I think one thing that is true is the jazz high ranking members of the jazz were upset when William Wesley was at the courtside of the playoff game, uh, jazz Mavericks. Um, Did that lead to them then saying we're never going to trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks? I don't think so. I mean, I think they, they're rational decision makers and they made a deal they felt was good. Um, Did it factor in at all to how things played out? Uh, Maybe a, a little bit, but again, you're not. No one's going to really get to the truth of this thing unless you were on the phone in the room, Danny Ainge under oath. So we're never going to get that. So it's all going to be kind of conjecture, hearsay. And, and but when you talk about the reactions of the trade, that's what stood out to me the most. So that was very interesting to me. And the other thing, just from a, a fan standpoint, what was interesting to watch was um, so the RJ thing. You had it first. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, and you phrased it in such a way where if you were a person reading your report, you could say, oh, well, who knows who wants to trade RJ Barrett? Maybe the janitor at MSG wants to trade RJ Barrett. Maybe the, you <laughs> know, and the a good source. He's been a good source for me for years. I, this I always man, run with his stuff. Uh, Leon's, uh, Leon's cabinet. I'm going to call it the cabinet. Leon's cabinet. Who knows who's. Who's in the cabinet? You never, never know. Maybe they got the ushers in there, uh, chiming in. So you, you had that, and you put it out the way you did, and the response. And I think the response was a lot of like, "Well, we don't know what this really means. It's not, you know, indicative." And then, of course, over the course of the really the last 
month, I guess, or whatever it is, three, four weeks, it, it has come out that, yes, they, they, there were sure some decision makers that were willing to put RJ Barrett in the trade. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, again, from your vantage point, when, when you, did you see that coming? Did you know that was going to come the way it did when you put that out there, that there was going to be a lot of um, hand-wringing, shall we say, about his name being put out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that, Yes. Whenever you're talking about a player that, that that's that important to a segment of the fan base. I mean, I, I hate to say uh, blank and then say Knicks fans feel this way. I think it's ridiculous when someone says that because this is a big fan base, uh, varied opinions, as you know very well, John. So I'm sure some Knicks fans were fine, including RJ Barrett in the deal. But I think also when you talk about a player you've drafted, a fi- uh, I think some fans like really – I appreciate the idea of being in on the ground floor of a player you drafted, yeah. watching that player develop, having that player be a big part of the team that you're rooting for is future success. So that's where I think uh, emotions get involved when a player like RJ Barrett mentioned in trade talks. Um, I think a, a, a team like a, a Nick person might spin it as, Hey, you you're very good. Utah wanted you. And that's why this is where it was. But, I think the truth is, again, you, you said it. There, there were people there with New York that were willing, willing to put RJ Barrett out there uh, to try to get Donovan Mitchell here. Obviously, ultimately, Leon Rose decides not to do that, and the Knicks are where they are today. But yeah, it's just fascinating. Um, the, just the level of detail that had, had come out in the aftermath of the thing. Uh, I'm going to ask you two more, but then we're going to move on. I think I think this will be the like the eighth time I've said on this podcast, and then we're going to leave it behind for good. And I'm sure this time will be the real time. It, it, God, I'll say, can I say this though? Please. Things, like, like, yeah, I get it. You, you like a fan. If I'm a, if I'm a fan, I'm turning the page. I'm ready for preseason. I care about who's on the roster, but this, these decisions that were made and then the ultimate outcome of the trade, him going to Cleveland, that's going to have ramifications for, your franchise, the franchise you root for. So yeah, I understand wanting to turn the page, but I think it's also um, important to see that this decision and the decisions that were and were not made are going to impact this year and and years going forward. A a quick opinion question. Would you be shocked if this was the, this, what everything that just happened was the defining moment of the Leon Rose tenure? That would not shock me. I, I would it shock you. The only reason I would say no is because I, I have to think that whatever is next in terms of you know disgruntled star player, I have to think whatever's next, the, the Knicks are involved in it. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe it's a different situation. And I, but I think at some point, like there, there has to be a, a trade where you're acquiring a star. There has to, I mean, and if and if not, something has gone wrong, and, and Leon Rose hasn't gotten the chance to do that because uh, Jim Dolan has decided to make a change. I just think at some point in the Leon Rose tenure, there's going to be this kind of trade that we've been talking about really since. Uh, Is they got hired? Twenty twenty, yeah. So um, that's why I'm, I'm hesitant to say that this would be the defining decision. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, I just would be surprised if they never pulled the trigger on something. Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, okay. So the two questions I want to ask you, one is a, um, I always preface when I'm going to ask you an unfair question. I don't think this is an unfair question though. I have, as I know you have paid attention to all the reporting out there, cannot get it straight. Whether the Knicks offered a third pick of their own that they wanted to top five protect or whether that third pick was the bucks pick. Can you, can you shed any light on that to your, to any extent? Yeah. My, my, uh, my information was there was a third fully unprotected first that was on the table and not with RJ. Yeah. That didn't include RJ. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And then it was the, was a third heavily protected Knicks pick also uh, do you know if it was ever on the table with RJ mm, I don't know I don't okay. know if it was or it wasn't okay that's I all. yeah I don't. all I wanted to know um that's uh, thank you the second thing and I think we could get this one done with quick because I, I I don't really know what there is to say about it 
after hearing the Mitchell uh, press conference, after hearing his uh, pod with with Woj and uh, his speaking to Brian Winhorst uh, also uh, after that presser, and honestly, after hearing the way that RJ spoke in his um, the MSG thing, which I admittedly did not watch all of, but I have seen a few clips, it feels like there was an event whether it was Sunday night, Monday morning, but a thing that happened, whether it was a miscommunication, whether it was a conveyance of a misinterpretation, are, are you under the impression that something, I, I'm just going to leave it vague, something happened that threw this off? Well, the thing that I know is, you know, people who were briefed on these talks uh, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if like putting a timestamp on it even makes sense, but I, I can't do that. Cause I don't remember specifically when I had heard, but it must've been, it must've been late July or early August. I can't remember. Sorry. That's there was good. a time though, when, when people that were briefed on the talks felt like hey, it's happening, like it's going to happen. Okay. It just, it's a matter of the Knicks coming up, Utah coming down. Them figuring it out. And I'm not the first person to say that. A lot of people said that, you know, they felt that it was just a matter of what it was going to be. Um, but I think that was a legit feeling from both teams. And obviously, Donovan Mitchell felt that way as well, that it was going to happen. That it was the most likely outcome. I don't know. I don't know where it went sideways. Um, okay. Obviously, with RJ Barrett and the deadline that, uh, ESPN and, and Adrian Wojnarowski reported about the deadline that Leon Rose set. But there were deals, there were packages with RJ and without RJ that the Knicks felt good about at that point. And I don't know, maybe something happened there where Utah just said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna try to squeeze everything out of you guys, and if you don't get to where we want, you know, that's it. We're moving on." I I, I don't know, but clearly there was so much momentum for this thing to yeah. end up with Donovan Mitchell in New York that. He even felt it was going to happen. And uh, just, yeah, one of those things. It's, uh, it's a head scratcher, but it happens in this league. Like there's so much momentum towards player X ending up in city X yeah. and everybody talks about it and team. It's a real thing, but nothing's done until it's done. And that's, that's something that you, if you're a Nick fan, you've learned over and over again. Yes. Uh, with I, I have, I have to laugh at the deadline thing, which is still like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't like I, I guess they were just they wanted to get him off the table, maybe. I'm not sure why there was one, but me and you both, Ian. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's move on. Spinning yeah. it forward, as you termed it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup, no dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never ending. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar Yukon mash and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool130 and use promo code filmschool130 to get $130 off across six boxes. That's filmschool130 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool130 for $130 off. Do you think this front office is shaken by the events of the summer? Or do you still think they have a steely resolve that their plan is a good plan and that they still, uh, perhaps more importantly, have the ability to execute uh, that plan? Yeah, I think the first thing I think about is like, when I when I hear people say, you know, Knicks fans feel this way, Knicks fans feel that way. I, I don't think you could say that because the fan base, there's so many fans, fans feel different ways about different topics about this team. I think with the front office, too, there's, you know, it's a big front office. Um, there's several influential voices. So, you know, it's hard for me to answer because maybe there could be one influential voice that is shaken. Another that feels that resolve mm-hmm. that you referenced. I, I do think that uh, generally the, the idea hasn't changed in terms of, you know, having the ammunition to make a trade when the situation presents itself. Um, is there more onus on that next opportunity? Do the Knicks have to be more aggressive? Do they have to, you know, maybe give up more than they would because they passed on Donovan Mitchell? I think there could be something. Uh, I think that could be an element the next time around. And uh, yeah, if I was going to give you a a blanket answer, my, my assumption would be uh, everything is not like hunky dory in the aftermath of this thing. What is, what is everything? Oh, hunky dory with this. People not know that. Yeah. I feel like I just, (laughs) I, I, I think my mom, said that to me when i was a kid and it's one of those things that i probably just used that was oh i still use it so yeah everyone's not um singing kumbaya is that another way to say it that's a good one i like kumbaya yeah i don't think i don't think you know it's not it's not as if everybody came out of this these negotiations you know feeling excellent and feeling sure Mm -hmm. that everything went the way that they had wanted to and every decision was kind of foolproof i don't I don't think I think it's fair for me to say that because I think, you know, that's globally um, what you would assume coming out of something like this. 
Which then I think begs for me, at least the next obvious question is like, okay, if it is about just continuing to increase the value of assets, um, one would think that that would potentially influence how they wanted to go about the season as far as minutes distribution and role distribution. Do, do you, again, I know this is just, there's been a lot of noise after the trade did not go down. Do you get a sense that, that there is, I don't want to say a reconsideration of how this season needs to go for it to be a successful season for the franchise, because thus far through two years, as far as I could see, it's just been about just let's win as many games as possible. And then that changed a little bit, I guess the last, whatever it is, 20, 30 games last year. Do, do you get a sense that there has been some sort of a shift perhaps amongst some people? The thing that I think just in general on that, like I, I just think with Tom Thibodeau, like he, his objective night in and night out is to win the game. And to, for that to change would be a pretty big shift. I know like late last year, they played the young guys second half of the season, even though they played the young guys. But if you kind of look at it, uh, injuries, I think played a role in, in a significant amount of how that shifted as the season went along. So if, if Tom Thibodeau ends up playing, Quentin Grimes, like ahead of Evan Fournier, I think it's because he feels like Quentin Grimes gives him the best chance to win that night. Um, if he plays Cam Reddish, uh, significant minutes because he feels like Cam Reddish gives him the best chance to win the game that night. And I think anything, any deviation from that in terms of are we going to give Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, uh, twenty minutes because we want him to to develop kind of on the court and to mm. see where he is uh, based on X, Y, Z, even though we, it might not give us the best chance to win. I can't see that, that shift in mindset uh, taking place with Tom Thibodeau. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the conversations yeah. have been had where, you know, his, he's totally shifted, but that's who he is. That's been who he is for his entire time in the league. So it, it would be a big shift um, for him to, to kind of approach things, so differently coming into this year. You know how many times I've been like, man, I hope Ian's wrong about this one. And you know what's funny? <laughs> doesn't doesn't usually work out that way for me. A uh, couple more. <laughs> Look, I, here. Listen, I could be wrong. Like maybe <laughs> you always say that. And yet, in the minds, I don't like. Could be. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to give you an over under of 0.5. So um, point take the over or the under. Um, will I'll give you four players, uh, Cam, uh, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, or Julius Randle. So basically, do you think one of those players or more will be traded before opening night? Uh, I will say, I'll say no. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think like, I don't, this is obvious to say, like, cause it's probably true of every team, but I don't, I don't think the idea of, um, being them being totally set on everything uh, um, between now and opening night it is the case. I think there's, you know, there's different scenarios um, that are as any team would be, would are, are kind of in play, but like, I, if I had to guess my guess right now is those guys are uh, less likely to be uh, dealt than they are to be on the roster uh, in Memphis when the Knicks are in Memphis, I should say. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, the, I mean, two seasons now under this regime with Tibbs, I, this is what I've talked myself into. They They seem to like to go into the year without any well, massive distractions. I mean, I don't know if you want to call like Knox kind of hanging out on the outside of the rotation two years ago was a distraction or well, last year there really wasn't anything. That's, do you think that would, do you think that would, would bother this regime if again, like, so we're going into camp and like, okay, well, there's no obvious spot for Cam. Do you think they would just kind of roll the dice and be like, well, maybe someone gets hurt. Maybe this, maybe that you, you think, so you think that that would be a possibility? I, yeah, I think that, um, I think the idea of like then the rotation, like uh, Tom Thibodeau, I think is going to have last say on the rotation and, and mm -hmm. maybe like somebody, people talk to him and he changes his mind on things that 
it was clear that he had made up his mind on last year, which in particular, uh, you know, clearly, at least early on, Cam Reddish, you know, was not in his rotation. Maybe he changes his mind. Um, but I, I think he's going to have the ultimate uh, decision on rotations and minutes. I'd be surprised if that changed. The other thing, too, is like if he's going to I think he's going to give everyone uh, a chance, like a, a clean slate in training camp. And if Cam Reddish or another player comes into camp in like peak shape, and it's just, it's clear that that player is head and shoulders above the players um, who are at his position. I, I think Tom Thibodeau is going to give that player a fair shake, whether it's Reddish, who hasn't been in the rotation, or, you know, another player who maybe we're not talking about. Um, so that's uh, a long-winded way of saying, I think he'll have the, the green light to do what he feels is best for the team. And I also think that he wouldn't come in with like hard preconceived notions particularly like a Cam Reddish. Like if Cam Reddish comes in and, and he kills in, in training camp in the preseason, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to say, well, I didn't want to play him the, yeah. the first few weeks after the trade, so I'm not going to play him now. Yeah, um, hopefully not. Uh, two more on the media chat here. Uh, you mentioned that you you'd be surprised if there was not... a They didn't figure out a way to use these assets uh, that they have to make a big trade at some point. Do you Do you think they have... Like, you know, we all imagine like they have a whiteboard up of like their top five, you know, like a fancy football draft or something like guys they want. Do you think they have targets or do you do you think it's kind of like because like I think that I would I would hope slash guess that they saw Don, this Donovan Mitchell thing coming down the pipeline and they were kind of preparing for it. Obviously, we don't know that for sure. Do you think they have like a name or names or do you think they're just kind of like waiting to see what shakes free? You know, I think you. you you, they know like what could come about. Um, yeah. But like, I think that it's hard to like plan for anything, you know, definitively because who the heck knows where things go, especially with this league yeah. and, and, you know, star players. So, you know, everybody's kind of, I think keeping an eye on Oklahoma city and, and Shea Gilders Alexander. Uh, Are you, do you, do you really like think that's a possibility? The reason why, like just logically it, it, it seems to add up to me is just look where oh, what OKC is doing. Look at yeah. what they've done. They're stockpiling picks and like, you know, yeah, Shea Gilders Alexander, incredibly talented, <clears throat> incredibly talented, young. Yet you could see a world where like it, it, there it, he's on like a kind of a different timeline than the rest of the team. And also, I mean, does a player uh, going it, where he is in his NBA career? Does a player like that like? want to just put up numbers on on teams that are terrible for the next few years so yeah. i think that's why everybody's keeping an eye on it i'm not here to suggest that sure yeah Presti's ready to make a trade or shea gill does shea gill alexander excuse me doesn't want to be an okc just looking at it like everyone else is from a big picture sense it seems like there's something that could be there andrew wiggins because of the the finances involved uh with golden state and you know what they would have to pay to to bring him back in, the, in a luxury tax sense, like that's something that the teams are going to keep an eye on. And, you know, the Phoenix Sarver players very upset, uh, clearly big voices in the league, very upset with how the NBA handled the Robert Sarver situation. Is there anything not to make it about basketball? Cause it really is not at all, but no. is, is there something that happens there where, uh, you know, a player says, I do not want to play for this owner. Like, yeah tells his agent get me out of here so you know there are always different scenarios that come up uh but the thing with the mitchell one was like he wanted to be here and you had the assets to to do it it was like such a perfect marriage and so by passing on it you're you're betting that the next situation is going to be i guess more advantageous or you're betting that your young core here one or two of these guys is going to pop in a way that people don't expect, and then you're going to become a contender organically through that building of that young core. So it's an interesting decision and uh, a risky decision, but look, we'll see how it plays out. I'm not a fortune teller. I know, uh, you know, it's hard to predict anything these days, particularly uh, with the Knicks. So maybe everybody who thinks they made the wrong decision with Donovan Mitchell is wrong. And, you know, things, things turn in a good way for them, but it was, it was a risk and uh, it was a big decision and there are big ramifications to it. 
<laughs> or you bet that Justin Zanuck was going to pick up the phone again. That, that, may, that, may, that may have been another wager that was placed. Uh, last one. Uh, what would surprise you more? The Knicks win uh, over 40 games this year. Or the Knicks win under 30 games this year. I think under 30. I think <laughs> under 30 would surprise me more. And that would be bad news for the everybody that's, that's over there. Because uh, to take that kind of a step back and uh, after the offseason played out the way it did, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, to fall back like that, not good. So that would surprise me because I think the group that's here, like, They'll compete, and the, if you can defend, and you know, Tibbs will have them defending despite some of the individual deficiencies on defense. If they're competing every night and they win, you know, high thirties, mid thirties, high thirties, and end up competing for one of those playing spots, I think you could see how that is a reason for optimism going forward. But if you're talking about under thirty wins, bad news. <laughs> bad news. Say no more. Uh, Ian Bagley, you are, you are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I don't need to tell anybody where to find you. Uh, SNY, all the platforms, uh, at Ian Bagley on Twitter. Did I forget anything? Uh, no, but I want to say this, John, and I don't need to say this on, on your show because everybody already knows it, but I, I have two young kids, as you do too. I don't have time to read nearly as much as I want to. Uh, one thing I read though is the newsletter. And, uh, that is something that if you're a Nick fan, you care about the team, you want to know about the team, you want insights into what might happen, but also like a, a cogent analysis of what has happened. You read the newsletter. So, um, everybody who's look, watching this, I'm sure already does, but just, I wanted to say that because, uh, that's a, that's some, a place that I have to go when I want to, uh, just try to see some, how someone else like yourself is making sense of what's going on. Cause you always make sense of it. So I appreciate you doing what you do. Uh, I, I'm going to change the newsletter's name to my therapy couch. Cause that is all it is. It's just <laughs> way that I deal. Uh, th that, that means an incredibly, uh, Great deal to me. Thank you, Ian. Uh, yes, the link for the newsletter is in the description below. Andrew was telling me to say that. Uh, Ian Begley, you're the man. Thank you. John, thank you for having me, my friend. I look forward to doing this again soon. Appreciate you. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed that. Like we like we promised, lots of Daquan Jeffries talk. Um, I was a, I got to tell you, I was a, I thought Ian might take the over on players traded, but he thought about it. Well, how do you feel about that? I don't disagree with him. I, if I'm if I'm being honest, I would I would also probably take the under, okay. just because it is what what time is it? Uh, as we're recording this, it's ten oh nine on September fifteenth. Uh, you know, it's two weeks away. They're going to um, camp as is. Yeah. I mean, do we see them making a trade after camp has started? I I don't. I think the Knicks first trade will come after they've played regular season games. I'm at that point. I think our expectations and our honestly, our wants and desires. Um, I, I've officially gotten confused at what the front office is like. Do they look at Julius Randle as a negative asset? Do they think Cam Reddish being on the roster as the 11th man is a bad thing? The Mitchell trade was two weeks as this podcast post post the Mitchell trade was two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So like they had enough time to get their shits, you know, for the dust to settle and get their shit sorted out. And it's like, okay, let's move on to plan B. Well, it's been two weeks. So um, if, unless you're telling me that they're either still involved with the Russ thing or whether they're waiting for the Russ thing to shake free. And but even like, that thing's confusing, John. I don't know. I, I, because I had them on alerts because it, I, I've referenced this before. There's like a, a jazz, mm -hmm. like, purports to be a jazz insider account, but they don't tweet a lot, but they, they just tweeted out something like yesterday or whatever about how like continue, like talks continue between Utah and Russ. I, I, it just makes too much sense for those two teams not to get something done. Um, so it's, I'm not counting on, you know, Russ ending up here and, and obviously not playing, but you know, being waived or whatever, I'm not counting on that. Um, yeah, I think this is what, I think this is what it is. Yeah, I, it is what it is, as you said in the intro and as Joe Pesci said in The Irishman. I gotta watch that movie again. <laughs>
Time is have, you have three and a half hours. I was going to say if I was if I put it on right now, I will be up until what time? Like one thirty? Yeah, uh, two thirty. Two thirty. Ten yeah. to twelve. Ten to eleven. Oh no, no no! If you put it on right now, all right. So there you go. Put it on now. One thirty. You know what? Bad. I'm gonna go ahead and no go to bed. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was great. Hope everybody enjoyed this episode with Ian. Um, and just in general, thank you to everybody uh, who has been listening all summer long. Uh, it's been really awesome to see that it, you know the pod continues to be popular uh, even as the Knicks don't play games and hopefully uh, they can win some games this year and it will continue to be so because uh, that would be fun to talk about a winning team after everything that has happened this summer anyway uh, we'll talk to you soon enjoy your weekend peace out Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.